0: Out conversation Is tough.
1: Welcome to the out of the box podcast. I am your host Jay got soul and this is season three, episode nine titled social entrepreneurship. Yes, yes, yes. All right, y'all. So this show is sponsored by urban financial literacy, urban financial literacy specializes in building, protecting and preserving your wealth. So if you or your family need life insurance, protection, uh, retirement planning, credit repair, uh, mortgage protection, and trust and estate planning, reach out to Urban Financial Literacy at urbanfinancialliteracy.com to book a consultation. Also, be sure to visit my new and improved website. And so you can reach it at jgotso.com. Check out all we have to offer Currently, we are running our rebranding sale where all of our previous items from the previous collection can be purchased for $30. Also, our Nova Sky Dedication Collection is now available for purchase, so you can purchase those. Just know that a percentage of those proceeds will be allocated to Nova's medical bills. And lastly, if you need some attention and some help with practical budgeting tools, as well as some coaching, you can check out our services page on our website. So be sure to tap in with our website. Also, we have a blog and I I really want to bring some attention to this. Um, What I read this morning, Little Africa Reboot is um, a very relevant um, blog post that will be something that you want to look into, especially in the political climate that we are in right now. So check that out as well. All right. So special thank you to all of those that are listening live. We like to ask you all to share this broadcast so we can reach as many people as possible. But before we get on with the show, let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for Dina and her family for coming into the studio and getting here safely. God, we ask that whatever we're talking about here today, which is social entrepreneurship, that it reaches someone and that some of the information that we are talking about can help someone on their journey. We're just so grateful for the opportunity, and we just ask that you keep us covered and protected. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so today in studio we have the one and only Dina Saunders Green. All right, so Dina is the she is the CEO of Green Pines Media as well as Green Pines Creative and Co-working and Event Space. Dina has an extensive bio, <laughs> so, so we're not gonna go through your... <laughs> career
2: ADHD. <laughs> okay. That's okay.
1: So, but she's a foster former. Uh, she's a former foster youth social worker, a former uh, foster parent, and a mentor to many. Um, she has transitioned into social entrepreneurship. So today we will be discussing that. I'm so excited for this interview, you guys. So help me welcome our guests. Dina Saunders Green. Yay!
2: Thank you, Jay. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yes. Thank you for having me out. This has been a, a long time coming. Mm, uh, yes. Now that I finally have uh, some time off, we could actually do this. That's what I'm lovely. excited about. You yeah. got
1: time off. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about uh, your your start. Where you where'd you grow up? Where you come from? So I was born and raised in Long
2: Beach, California. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom still lives in our family home. Mm-hmm. We still go by there for holidays and that good home, you know, home cooking every now and then. Uh, But yeah, I'm a Long Beach person. I'm Long Beach, uh, I don't know, Long Beach person. (laughs) Uh, Although I did get into some trouble my senior year of high school and uh, I got sent to live with my dad in uh, Riverside County out in Paris. Okay. When there was no sidewalks, no city sewage, animals, all that stuff. (laughs) So I did live in uh paris california for a
1: little bit okay. but long beach is home okay um tell the people who is dina saunders green <laughs> what what makes up of this <sighs> human being right here so you know what i'm gonna
2: be honest and say that really has changed um over the years mm-hmm. and you know what it used to be it changed every i don't know decade or something mm-hmm. but now as i'm getting older I'm getting more set in my ways. So who I am now, I'm going to say I'm a serial social entrepreneur. Okay. I'm an advocate. Um, I'm a wife, all those other little things that come along with it. Um, try to be a decent human, but, you know, fall short all that good stuff. Mm. So, you know, I'm just somebody who's out here just trying to do my
1: best to um, use the, the gifts and talents that God gave me, you yeah. know. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the schools that you attended and what's your <laughs> educational background? <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: Okay. So first of all, whoever's listening, please don't do what I did when it comes to school. Okay. <laughs> um, basically, I was a career student for a little bit. Um, I'm going to be very transparent. I share this with the the young adults that I work with anyway. But um, it took me 15 years to get a four-year bachelor's degree because mm. I was a bit of a, bit of a knucklehead. I mm. wouldn't listen to advice, wouldn't listen to people. And um, also, I'm gonna be 50 this year. So, a lot of the things that I talk about, this was before there was an internet, okay? Okay, Keeping that into, I mean, before (laughs) we had internet in our homes. Okay. So, um, let's see, I went to Long Beach City College. Mm -hmm. Then I went to, wait, I went to Compton Community College first. Okay. Um, I think it's something different now, El Camino, or part of El Camino or something. So, I went to Compton Community College, Long Beach City College. For a split second, I took classes at Golden West. (laughs) Mm. Um, Then I was sick of California and I wanted to leave. So I applied to a few different schools, but Clark Atlanta University was the first one that said yes. So without really knowing much about just the school, campus, the culture in Atlanta, other than I had an uncle who went there, Mm. I packed up my uh, 1989 Nissan Sentra and my uncle and I drove cross country to Clark Atlanta University. Didn't realize it was a private school because, again, remember, guys, it took me 15 years to get a four-year <laughs> degree. So I thought, oh, if I'm there for a year, it'll be cheaper because, you know, part of the AU Center, they're all private schools. Mm-hmm. So got there. I was like, oh, this is expensive because I had to pay for most of that out of my own pocket. Mm. And this is, what, young? You're, what, 23? If no, I was more like 19, 20. And I didn't have a type of job that would pay that type of tuition, yeah. so I would... Go a semester, sit out, go and sit out. And finally, I was like, I'm sick of school. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then I realized I did need school, but I um, was homesick. Mm-hmm. I came back to California. Mm-hmm. I think I went to some other school. Now, let me also say, my husband's sitting off to the side, so every now and then I'll look and, and, you know, just to see. But (laughs) I went to some other community college, but then I met a dude, which happens to be this dude behind me. Okay. Uh, And (laughs) don't do this. But I stopped going to school because I was hanging out with him. And then eventually I went to Cal State San Bernardino, where I actually finished. I got my uh, bachelor's degree in human services, which is like a combination of... um, psychology, sociology, and health science, multidisciplinary. And then I thought, let me not stop, because if I stop, I may not go back. So I was planning on going to grad school, didn't know what I wanted to get my um, master's in. But uh, I was working on campus, and one of the professors eventually said, you should be a social worker. And mm. I fought it, because I did not want to be a social worker. I yeah, know what I'm they the say state. about social workers, especially <laughs> communities of color. Right. Um, but honestly, I, I did that, and long story short, it was the best decision that I ever made. Mm-hmm. Especially when I got a chance to work with... Um, young people after they aged out of the foster care system that was where my passion was okay so that was oh yeah that was gonna stop there then I forgot yeah, a whole yeah. have a whole other degree yeah <laughs> so then working with youth um who were in the foster care system I just saw a lot of uh let's just say shortcomings a lot of issues mm-hmm. and um I knew I wanted to do something where I started a business so that uh, former foster youth could earn an income. I just knew nothing about business. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, I ended up at USC. They have a program called Social Entrepreneurship in the Marshall School of Business. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'll, I'll have to see how much do I want to share without like, not necessarily getting in trouble, but I'm, I'm going to share this, just some tips. Cause all I right. used to work at uh, Cal State or for university. Okay. So initially when I reached out to USC, I really just wanted the syllabus so I could see what books they had. Mm. Cause I was like, I could, I could teach myself all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I called, I spoke with this amazing professor, Dr. Jill Kickle, And when she heard about what I wanted to do, she was like, I think this program would be good for you because um, you know, we, we initially started a company called, um, it was Green Pines Media, but we were doing indie publishing and podcast. And um, I knew that wasn't the way to go because the youth I were talking to, they weren't interested in publishing novels or podcasting. They wanted to tell their story through the
0: arts or they were
2: creatives. So uh, that's when, you know, Jill was saying, you know, yeah, we can help you um, make this sustainable or figure out how to pivot. Mm. And it was an amazing fit. So I also have a second master's from USC um, in social entrepreneurship from the Marshall School of Business as well. And I think that's it for now.
1: Okay. I'm, now, I'm sick
2: of school. I was sick of school like 10 years ago, but.
1: That was the one I was waiting on.
2: <laughs> yeah, must almost forgot about that. Let me not forget about USC. Yeah. Okay. So
1: um, <laughs> we're, we're kind of going to get into um, Green Pines Media, okay. right? Um, so before we go on our first break, right? So you have Green Pines Media. Tell us a little bit about what Green Pines Media is. So
2: Green Pines Media is a for-profit benefit corporation, and our mission is basically to help uh, artists and other creatives who've been impacted by systems like foster care, mm-hmm. the mission is to help them monetize their creativity in whatever way that looks like. Right. You know, so many different areas have been disrupted. I didn't wanna say we help them monetize their paintings or, you know, specifically like their music or their clothing line, it's about creativity. Mm-hmm. And so we do that um, so that we can um, teach life skills using art, music, and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and really just help the artists and the creatives that we work work with, figure out a way to, like I said, monetize what they're doing so that whatever we're teaching them, they can actually make some money. I'm just so tired of vulnerable people who are super, super talented, um, especially in this population, not getting the training or the life skills that they need to use that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were trying to funnel them into these jobs they care nothing about because we're like, oh, you know, they can qualify for a job at, you know let's just say a big box store or a fast food place, but they weren't happy there. Yeah. And as creatives, you know, basically what they were telling me is that's going to kill my soul. Mm-hmm. I'm a creative. I want to do something creatively. Right. And, you know, whether that's a hobby or not, I mean, it's also an awesome way just to engage with them. So it's something that's not case management. Right. So to me, this is still social work, but it doesn't look like social work, number one. Mm-hmm. And instead of about case management and all the negative you know things where we're focusing on the trauma this is more about advocacy and empowerment mm-hmm. and that that feels a lot better and the young folks t- tend to like it a little bit better too cuz this is the first time in my career that I actually have people reaching out to us saying i want to be involved what you guys are doing is dope mm-hmm. so yeah you used that right did you i used thank that you right. yeah no, okay so for those of you who don't know <laughs> um Let's just say um, Jay and some of the other artists are teaching me a lot of things, including um, some stuff in hip hop <laughs> and slang. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older growing <laughs> up. If we would use slang or the wrong words, we we'd get that little that little reminder in the mouth like, oh, you know, so <laughs> I, I'm learning slang now. Yes. In the right context.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we go on our break, so you said you, you helped. Young artists who are formerly Foster You uh, monetize their art. So we're going to listen to Console Me first. But tell us about this this song.
2: Whew, okay. So um, when we talk about monetizing art, um, music is under that umbrella as well. Um, our, the artists that we work with, especially the musicians, they don't need help making their music and putting it out there They're, they already have a lot of stuff on streaming platforms but they weren't getting paid for it they may not have understood royalties mm-hmm. and so what we do is we um, will buy the rights to a song temporarily so that we can uh, focus on sync licensing mm-hmm. and getting their music into like TV and film and video games but especially like ads and commercials so mm-hmm. this is a song by a super talented young lady Nakai Love it's just beautiful um, and it was also produced by a another phenomenal artist by the name of Nigel Roman and you know you can of course do a search for their names it's uh N-A-K-A-I love L-O-V-E and Nigel Roman N-I-G-E-L-R-O-M-A-N um so yeah this is a a collaborative uh, thing that they worked on completely produced by Nigel Roman which is someone that I worked with years ago Mm -hmm. and
1: um yeah it's just it was fun it was a fun project yes all right y'all so we're gonna listen to console me we'll be right back stay tuned
3: I took a step back from my life I took a look back at the crowd Why do I not see love around? Where is the happiness once found?
0: You got me
1: season three episode nine today we are in studio with Dina Saunders Green and you just heard console me by Nakai Love featuring Nigel Roman so y'all make sure y'all go search that song out that was a beautiful song it was it was
2: that was such a fun day in the studio too Mm -hmm. we had some uh, session musicians in there and You know, we had Nigel just kind of take the lead, and all of that was just in his head. Mm. And then, of course, with Nakai's awesome vocals,
1: like, it's really pretty. Yeah, Yeah. that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, so, Dina, let's talk about how we met. Do you remember how you (laughs) met me? Kind of, sort of. I vaguely
2: remember it was uh, Mikey, who is, you know, she connects everybody. Yes. And I feel like it was at um, our maybe second party that we did, I think, um, one of our anniversary parties. Mm-hmm. Was it the one at CAM, at the California African American Museum? Yeah. It was. So I vaguely remember that, and we were like, who's Jay? She, I think you won something. Yeah, I did. I was like, who's Jay? Wait, is this it's a new person coming <laughs> in? This is awesome. So I remember you won something, and mm-hmm. then... Um, I think you sent an email and uh you sent a link to the documentary that you were working on and I was yeah. like oh my gosh this is beautiful I need to work with this person oh my yeah.
1: gosh I need to work with <laughs> so yeah we we connected at, at an event somebody yeah. invited you to which was awesome yeah that was a first of all that was the first time I heard this song consult me oh okay you know so it was like oh wow like you guys were doing something amazing um, and then I was trying to meet you, but you were so busy that day and everybody wanted to talk to you. So Mikey was like, go talk to her, go speak with her. And I'm like, everybody's talking to her. She was like, come on, man, just do go on. I just was like, it. I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, we, I think we spoke for a brief second, mm-hmm. you know, and then I sent that email. Right. And so, yeah, ever since then, it's been, it's been great. Like, yeah, yeah the relationship is growing. So
2: I don't know if you, if you're going to mention that. Is. But in, mm-hmm. in, in addition to, you know, you coming up then and meeting um, and, and then, okay, so us meeting, then the email you sent. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw that, that your, your documentary, oh, my gosh, I was like, we need this. Because I remember um, one of our attorneys saying, hey, you guys need a documentary because mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody doing the type of work you're doing right. in a way that's a for-profit and really trying to monetize it. Mm-hmm. So I remember, like, I need to have her, like, as the executive producer. Like, <laughs> I need to have her helping, like, so yeah, yeah so yeah.
1: working yeah, on the stocky series together has yes. been fun It has it has do we want to talk about the name of it?
2: Um, maybe not right now. Okay. Right. I will have to come back on later in case something okay. changes or something else because we're still working on the one you know final interview like we were talking yes. about, yeah. hoping we can get Nigel in there to yeah. uh, talk about things. but yeah,
1: okay, well, let's yeah, move we'll on then. Okay. What was life like before social entrepreneurship?,
2: Ugh, um, a lot more predictable, that's for sure. Mm. um before social entrepreneurship, honestly, it was um. If I had to describe, like, my life in general, I just felt like a responsible, middle-aged m- mom. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we, Terry and I were fostering, and at that time, um, we just were fostering teenagers. Okay. And because what we real, what I realized in working with former foster youth is that the ones who were the most successful – they had some adult that was still connected with them, a lifelong connection, mm-hmm. where if they needed a meal or advice or a place to stay, even if it's temporarily, mm-hmm. um, they just did a lot better. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, in, in this country, we, we wait to do all of these things after the fact, mm-hmm. what about prevention? And right. that's with everything. Yes. So I was like, you know what? There are teenagers out there that really need the help now mm-hmm. as opposed to when they're aging out and then trying to find mentors and stuff when now they have a whole host of other things to deal with. Mm-hmm. So we became a foster parent to teens, and I was just doing that mom thing. Yeah. And, I mean, we did it at that time, but it's not for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not foster parenting. That was amazing. But the whole, you know appointments and driving to school and going to the, the you know, all the stuff. Yeah, that I don't think that's me.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not me. Yeah. Okay. So what made you decide to be a social entrepreneur? Because uh, we talk about, we always talk about the social work field. And yeah. What made us turn away from it. Right, so, right. What made you become a social entrepreneur?
2: Honestly, it was, I, I wanted us all to win. I didn't want to do a nonprofit because again, a nonprofit, those was great, but mm-hmm. Nonprofits are always competing for grants and donations with all the other nonprofits that are out there, which 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 I get. You yeah. know, that's just the nature of what they are. But I wanted us all to win. I wanted us all to all make money. And I felt like the best way to do that was with a for-profit. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we do have a foundation now. Mm-hmm. But um, that's just kind of incidental. That came later on when we started having artists who were struggling with housing and you know all those other things and of course the um like music therapy that we're doing Mm -hmm. but um yeah we wanted something that um where they would they would be able to make money but it's basically When I figured out that term social entrepreneurship, I think I read it in a book somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then I just did a search, you know, who was offering another degree. And then when I went to USC, just to find out it's basically starting a traditional business with the intention of solving a social problem. I said, oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. I didn't even know what it meant at first. So that's what kind of, you know, got me there Mm -hmm. um, is just wanting the the youth to be able to win and wanting us to win and, and just not always having to beg for money. Yeah, I'm over that. Yeah. Over it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so social work. Mm-hmm. We're still doing social work. You're doing social work different. What does that mean to you?
2: Um, In a way that doesn't have the stigma. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, and in, in black and brown communities, social work was supposed to be about community and empowerment from the very beginning, even right. before it was called social work. But somehow it just became this beast of this bureaucratic system where it doesn't, it doesn't meet the needs of most people, yeah. even though we need it, because yeah. obviously there are people who are out there abusing kids and doing things. And, and again, social work is not just in child welfare. There are social workers, and I mean, of course, you know this, right. but for the listeners, you know, in um, the medical field, there are social workers who are out there changing legislation, working with vets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about advocacy and empowerment. But when it comes to the child welfare system, because of the other stuff, all the the legal stuff mm-hmm. and the, you know, these agencies having to cover their behinds and all this other stuff, like it became
1: something different, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, I don't know. I don't know. I agree with that. I mean, you know, we, like we said, we, we can have conversations right. about this all day. We'll be in <laughs> office just talking. But um, yeah, part of the reason why I stepped away from it as well is because, I realized, which is why I have Black Money Matters Act Like It, is that a lot of the issues stem from lack of resources. Yes, You know, so absolutely. when there's lack of resources and then now we have this thing where something else is going to happen and it creates another problem, it's like, let's focus on the actual problem first right. rather than the trauma like you said and let's solve that problem and maybe we'll find different problems exactly. but it's not going to be the same one exactly. that has like kids getting removed or because yeah. I, I come from the child you know the child uh, investigative space right. and so I'm um, just like yeah um, this is not helping right? you know <laughs> and after you have so many stories of kids that just don't get the help that they need right. because of how bureau- bureaucratic it is it's like that's heartbreaking to continue to experience is traumatizing for the worker exactly and then it just creates more and more stress so right.
2: oh yeah thank you for talking about the stress yeah that's the other thing when i did traditional social work i was exhausted yes. and now, now we're running, we have four companies under the brand. Mm-hmm. So I'm tired now, but it's a different type of tire. Mm-hmm. At least it's something that feels better mm-hmm. as opposed to before. It was just like you're exhausted because you're trying to help right. and you just can't help in the way you want to. Right. So for me, social work different is, again, like I said, getting rid of the stigma, doing something positive, and that return more to advocacy and empowerment mm-hmm. instead of just here's some services that are never enough and yeah. never really quite sufficient for what folks really need. You know? Right. Right.
1: OK. So before we take our next break, tell us a little bit about Adriana Sunshine and the good Feeling on.
2: Oh, OK. Um, Adriana. Oh, my gosh. Adriana is amazing. When she gets into the studio, um, she's just a completely different person mm-hmm. Um we launched um, Green Pines Media the way it is now, helping them monetize their art and music when I was still a student at USC. Okay. And um, I want to say Adriana was one of the first artists that we started working with. Um, I remember because I already had an idea of a business, The uh, most of the professors would let me use my, um, I could use the company as our class project. Okay. So I actually had classmates who were helping me out. Thanks again, Ellie, appreciate you. <laughs> um, and so I remember calling up a lot of different shelters and organizations that um, were helping former foster youth or what we call in social services transition age youth or day and um, there was one place at the called the Good Seed and the uh, manager at the time um, James Rolfe he was like oh he got it immediately and was like I need to have you come here and talk with some of the the folks who are um, who are coming in to get services Mm -hmm. because he had so many talented folks who um, you know were there going to the shelter and Mm -hmm. that's where I met Adriana and she was like, well, I don't know. And obviously, you know, a lot of folks didn't trust that I was going to do what I said I was going to do. Right. That's a big one. And, and you should be, you know, distrustful. Like, have a healthy dose of skepticism in anything. Yes. But especially with something like this, when people say, oh, yeah, I can help you. Right. Um, and then it, it was just a good fit. So with this particular song, Good Feeling, she completely wrote every part of it. Mm. Um, and I think she, she even did the instrumentals. Like, Adriana is just a rock star Beautiful. when it comes yeah. to you know, her music is her way of
1: doing therapy and she's just so phenomenally talented. Yeah. So yeah. Alright, y'all. So let's listen to Good Feeling by Adriana Sunshine. We'll be right back.
0: Oh the stars ain't no turning back now we've come too far far I
1: just joining us we are in studio with dina saunders green and you just heard good feeling by adriana sunshine and let me interrupt really quick because i completely forgot jay that this was the
2: remix yes. this was the Aquila remix okay. so uh, my apologies adriana if you're listening um, so this was actually a remix that was done by a producer that we uh that we met so all of the i don't know the edm undertones and all of that okay. that was not adriana because to be very frank um she wasn't too keen on this version okay okay, okay. <laughs> but definitely go listen to the other version as well it's out there uh, streaming on the platforms good feeling but mm-hmm. this is the Aquila
1: remix. Okay, yeah. okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So um let's talk about Green Pines Creative Co-working in event space. Whew, yes. That has been a long time coming. <laughs> yes it has. Yes. Like what six seven years
2: I think Terry? Yeah. Six mm-hmm. or seven years. Whew. Oh, so basically, um, we started doing this work. um, I was working out of co-working spaces. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was one in downtown Work Evolution. Um, We still love it, uh, but you know things change. Cultures of of, um, the community, cultures of co-working spaces are a little bit different, Mm -hmm. and I could never get our artists to come and visit at that particular place. Mm -hmm. So we tried a number of different co-working spaces. I went and visited a bunch. Some were great. Um, Some. Let's just say the only people who talked to me were the people taking my money mm-hmm. some just were they were not a good fit and i realized pretty quickly we need our own space yeah. where our artists feel comfortable we need something where uh, it's large enough to have events as well because okay. i got sick of every year on our anniversary party spending so much money <laughs> just to rent somebody else's space and i yeah. thought we need a headquarters yeah. so i had this vision and idea of what it you know what we needed like we wanted something close to the train if possible we wanted something that was just a walk up we wanted something that was just you know comfortable and you know you just I didn't know when it was going to happen but something told me that God was going to open that door yeah and when the pandemic hit you know unfortunately a lot of businesses ended up either having to relocate or going under And um, we found this space. And um, long story short, we are we are we have a building. It's a uh, 10,000 square feet in downtown Long Beach, off of a uh, historic Pine Avenue. Um, and it's 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 pretty nice. It it's is. pretty nice. <laughs> I
1: got to see the evolution of the space. So yeah, I'm super, sure. you know, honored to be able to be there before it was what it is now before the artwork. Before oh, yeah. The rooms, <laughs> you know, um, and just being in this space, I can say as someone who came in and is working out of that space, it feels like home. Thank you. You know, Thank and you. it feels like you can be creative. Like, you know, me and Mikey get in there, we we going. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and, I, and like I was telling you before the show, I've been out of a creative space for a little while. Just, you know, focusing in on the admin stuff. Right, and that right. stuff gets tedious, boring and you know, stressful, but, um, coming back there for the last couple of weeks to prepare for the, uh, four year anniversary, I felt like I got my creative juices back. Good. Yeah. That's, that's
2: the goal. That's the goal is to inspire. And, you know, we have a lot of different areas. We have a music room, we have a conference room. There's a lot of murals throughout. We have like sewing stations, meditation rooms. There's some private offices, semi-private offices Mm -hmm. and, Yeah, the goal is just to to have a space that's inspiring for a lot of different types of creatives. So and I just wanna and I always forget to tell people this. So while We focus mainly on artists who've aged out of systems like foster care. Mm -hmm. The space is open to any creative, any entrepreneur, just anybody who really wants to support our mission. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we learn very quickly that we do not want to depend on a vulnerable population to spend money to pay our bills. That is never the way to go. So if you guys are entrepreneurs, please don't ever do that. Like, have another way of being able to generate that. You know, some people do grants. Some people do, you know, something like that. But ours is we want to engage in traditional
1: business. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think um, Terry would be remiss if we don't bring up your uh, authoring your Oh, authoring gosh. Book. Yes. <laughs> Angelique. <laughs> so while she's an entrepreneur, <laughs> social entrepreneur, she's also an author. Oh, my gosh.
2: Yes. Thank you for bringing that up because <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but I, I tend to forget to tell, oh, I forget that I wrote a book sometimes Mm -hmm. because there's a whole story behind it. But basically it started as a passion project Mm. uh, right after, well, actually I got the idea for it while I was still doing traditional social work. And, you know, just kind of get an idea, you push it in the back of your head. And then when I became a foster parent and I had a chance to see the system from the perspective of families Mm. and what it looks like for young people, you know, who are, who are, Currently foster in foster care, but then also after they age out. And yeah. so this story would not go away. So when that happens, I usually know, okay, I have to take it from my brain, put it on paper, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So basically um, the story is just one girl's journey, her life before, during, but especially after her time in foster care. Mm-hmm. And how the trauma that she experienced as a child continues to impact her life even as an adult. And, you know, dealing with a a parent who is, you know, um, an addict and who's dealing with their own trauma because, you know, they're self-medicating because in this country we don't do mental health very well. And so, uh, yeah, so it's her story. And I tried to even not write it for a while. Mm -hmm. And Angelique kept, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And it's interesting to, you know, no judgment, please, but it's actually one of uh, nine. There are eight other stories that I have, I just haven't had time to finish writing them yet because okay. we've been working on the co-working and event space and all of that. But we'll get there. Yeah. We will get there.
1: Yeah. So Angelique, where, where can people find that book?
2: Um, it is available um, on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. but also available at Green Pines Media, on our website, GreenPinesMedia.com, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, or at our co-working and event space. So if people actually want to come and visit, you know, we actually have some copies there too. But Amazon's probably the easiest place.
1: Okay. Yes. So so why is this work important to you?
2: Um, so many reasons. Um, I had some cousins who ended up going into the foster care system, and my mom served as their foster parent. Okay. And what I realized, and this is when I was really young, I, I think, um, I don't even remember how old I was, I uh, But anyway, it just showed me that when families don't have their own plan of what to do, because I think we all have them, there's always some family member, and you know they're not quite doing what they need to do with their kids, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we say things, sometimes we don't, because the reality is when you mention things to certain people, if they're getting defensive, it's like, well, you, I don't want you to see my kids and, you know, right. this defensiveness. Yeah. And yet when you know what's going to happen, when you can see the train wreck coming, where you can see that your family members are going to start to be impacted, to not to do nothing, it's just, it's just a lot. But anyway, so my mom went through this thing um, and we were just wildly unprepared we had no idea how the system worked we had no idea of of just what to do and I noticed that the social worker we had at the time just was the only one really I mean and again every every social work situation is different but we had a social worker who was really just a just really good trying to explain how things worked and I thought oh okay this is interesting and unfortunately those family members the kids were never returned to their mom and they are still struggling with all these different things as a result and I just thought oh, there has to be there has to be something else but of course I didn't want to do it so I just kind of push it off to the side until it became one of those obvious things you need to do this okay because basically at Cal State um they offered to send me to grad school for free mm. so important plug. I think it's still available for um, those of you who might be interested in social work. There is a program out there called the Title IV-E Stipend. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up doing it at Cal State San Bernardino. And at that time, I think they were giving you almost $40,000 to go to grad school because they really, really need social, good social workers. Mm -hmm. Let me specifically say that. So um, it was helpful to have somebody else pay for it. And you uh they pay for it in exchange for two years of working at cps okay. and i did not want to work for cps oh <laughs> lord oh i did not want to work at cps and it just so happened that it was around the 08 crisis nobody was hiring so i had a chance to work at a nonprofit okay. that was serving foster care alumni instead uh but yeah this is my ministry this is this is why i i believe very strongly this is why i am here is to impact lives doing um, social work in a different way with this population of young people yeah. starting at 18 going all the way up until whenever right
1: yeah. okay so uh before we go on our final break this next song take off by anthony gray yes yes oh
2: my gosh so f- for any of you who know anthony gray he is a phenomenal hip-hop artist uh, out of compton and um, although Anthony was not directly impacted by the foster care system, the producer that he's done most of his projects with that we work with, um, you know, because, again, we have to um, purchase the rights to the music temporarily, mm-hmm. um, that particular producer is a former foster youth, and they are phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And and um, this is one of uh, Anthony's, like, signature songs. Mm-hmm. And so when we were talking about it, I'm like, are you sure you want to, like, temporarily sell us the rights? This is an amazing song. He's like, hey, you know, he loved the mission. He's the one who convinced us to get into music to begin with because mm-hmm. I I, don't, I didn't know anything about the industry. Right. But thank goodness, you know, USC, I found a lot of advisors and consultants. Mm-hmm. And, um yeah, this is his signature song. It's just amazing. It's empowering. It's motivating. And it's just a really good fit for what we're trying to accomplish. Um, yeah. So All this right. is takeoff. Takeoff.
4: Take Off. Gotta fight against the moon. That means more oppression over the nation. This is another Green Pines Media exclusive. Yeah. Let's go. Seymour did it again. I'm a young spinner for Compton, had to acknowledge it, got knowledge in Speaking truth, I'm beating up your cartilage Playing my position in a Mr. Opposition, had to make a few incisions just to squeeze in my position Look, green nigga long, better go and call somebody And up here, snatching up the souls of the Illuminati Holy Spirit hit you like 12 shots from a shoddy Ain't got to be a murder, just for me to catch a body I ain't tripping off the shots that I'm facing Look, I'ma make it, I'm patient Forget the top, cause the top is the limitation Trying to move something, you know, chase the situation, I'm just trying to build something But your boy ain't a see I been through the fire, your boy was refining Came out hard, I shine bright like a diamond Bring truth to that black glass. see Black lives don't matter, the black lives in Oh Lord, can't wait for elevation Oh Lord, why am I so impatient Look, not a product of my environment Look, I'm a product of what the God did Please pray for Compton no wins, we lose like it. Look, I fight against the evil. Looking for a day we unite as a people. You got me saying, I'm just trying to change something. I'm just trying to change something. For take off, I'm just trying to change something. I'm just trying to change something. For take off, I'm just trying to change something. Trying to change something. For take off, I'm just trying to change something. My daddy said, If I get my life together, I can change the world. I'm gonna change I'm gonna change I'm gonna change the world I'm gonna change I'm gonna change I'm gonna change the world I can change the world I'm gonna change yeah I'm gonna change I'm gonna change the world I'm gonna change the world Hallelujah, give all of my praises to you, I'm breaking off every chain, and the mighty name me a shoe of Yeshua, light. keep the faith in all of your situations, you the mirror and the vessel, you show by demonstration, one thing I know, man, is life is not fair, so I took all my problems and jumped in the air, went through that tunnel, lit up like a flare. then I looked at my past, I'm not going back there, see. The years been sorta kinda intricate I illiterate, went from a illiterate, illiterate to a lyricist Classic session, take a look at my thesis Moving bodies with my mind, now that's telekinesis Look, put your hands like this Put your hands like this And if it feel good, then make a fist just like this A fist like this you got me saying I'm just trying to change something I'm just trying to change something Before I take off I'm just trying to change something I'm just trying to change something for take off, I'm just to change something. trying to change something. For take off, I'm just to change something. My daddy said If I get my life together, I can change the world. I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change together I can change the world. I'm gonna change, yeah, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna change the
1: world. You are tuned into the Out of the Box Podcast Season 3, Episode 9. We are in studio with Dina. You just Yay. heard Take Off by Anthony Gray, Gray. featuring C Seemar, right. the producer, yes. 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 Alright, y'all. So y'all gotta check out all these songs. Make sure y'all go find them on all of your streaming platforms. Run them numbers up. This is absolute perfection in terms of music. It's it's, yeah. Yeah. We we don't go cheap. I mean, when it comes to of course monetization,
2: mm-hmm. the first thing my um our our advisor told us was because um, again I didn't know anything about that whole part of of. Anything, mm. I didn't even know what mixing and mastering were. Mm-hmm. And and our, our uh, advisor had to say, you know, Dina, if you're trying to monetize something, it needs to be professionally done. Mm. You get in the studio. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't even know that there were <laughs> different types of studio. I didn't know anything about
1: anything. So, yeah, but here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Okay, so what would you say, I don't know if I asked this already, but what would you say the mission behind this work is? What What's the ultimate goal? Honestly, it's just to be able
2: to teach authentic life skills mm-hmm. using things that our artists care about. Yeah. And, and I know that seems maybe simplistic, but the issue is when I did traditional social work, we were teaching life skills in a way that, number one, it didn't resonate with a lot of the youth. Sometimes they needed certain things, obviously, how to fill out a job application, how to take the bus, how to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were two issues. Number one, um, not everybody needs that. Yeah. And yet when it becomes, okay, here's this workshop you have to go to. If you don't go to, you can get in trouble. Right. And it becomes just checking off the box. Like, that's not helpful to anyone. Yeah. And most life skills we learn in the context of a family, right? Mm-hmm. But because they didn't have that necessarily, and again, every every situation is different. Right. So I I, I want to say that because some people be like, yeah, but that wasn't my experience. We got it. We're not talking about that. Right. We're talking about the people <laughs> who didn't get the life skills in foster care that they should have received. Right. And for creatives, it looks very different. Yeah. So I think one of our proudest moments, honestly, was uh, with Anthony. I should say, as far as a life skill, because he he got it. Like I said, he wasn't he wasn't in foster care. His dad was involved all Mm -hmm. these things uh but I remember for example when I worked in San Bernardino having to teach people like the bus route here's how you get from point a to point b and Mm -hmm. you know take the bus to I think it was carousel mall at the time (laughs) so they could apply for a job right Mm -hmm. with Anthony after we after I left traditional social work he was performing um I think they were going to oh gosh I'm forgetting the name of it in Austin Texas they have that really big what is that thing called um South by Southwest. Uh, thank you. They were going to South by Southwest mm-hmm. and teaching him how to navigate LAX okay. as an artist <laughs> to get to a performance in Texas was so much more fulfilling than here's how you take the bus. You right. understand what I'm saying? So it's right. still the same thing, yeah. but it's more relevant to what he's doing because he doesn't need to figure out a bus bus. He needs to figure out what do I do? How do I navigate this whole thing? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it could be something as simple as that. Right. But also being able to pay them for what they're doing, for their creativity. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not huge amounts of money,
1: yeah.
2: even the small amounts help. Yeah. I mean, people have real bills, utility bills, food, um, not being able to make rent all the time. Yeah. And so even if it's a, a smaller amount or something like that, just, you know, the ability to get paid for doing something you love. Yeah. That's a game changer. Oh, yeah. Game that's, changer.
1: That's why I, I rock with you guys, because it's, it's really like it's it creates artists that are not starving artists Mm -hmm. exactly because a lot of starving artists turn to scamming
2: yes yes no (laughs) kidding you know
1: so (laughs) the the fact that you know it's it's niche right because Mm -hmm. we're we're targeting a population but they have a place to express and it is exceptional. And now you can put it out to where they can receive some type of residual from it or some type of income from it. That's, that's just amazing. Right. It's empowering,
2: you know, and just to be able to say, Hey, I made some money doing this thing, or yes, I have a song, you know, that's on the platforms. And, you know, I remember there was a a very young artist, like a lot, most of our artists are mid twenties and up at this point um and some people like well when are you getting the new artists let me just say they're 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 still submitting and things like that although right now we're not accepting new music until july but Mm -hmm. we've had um artists you know continuously submitting music but i'm finding that if they're very young they don't believe when we tell them like oh you can't just make a song put it on you know TikTok, and be a millionaire that's not how it works oh no that's how it's gonna work for me i'm like okay do your thing (laughs) so you know people have to be you know willing to learn and teachable and all of those things but um To be able to say, yes, I have this professionally done You know, professionally recorded song Mm -hmm. and it's out there, and being able to explain what royalties are like and how they're calculated. And maybe it's not just, oh, we're making money from performances because some aren't even really performing right now. Mm -hmm. Some of our artists struggle with anxiety or depression or things that would prevent them from doing that, Mm -hmm. which is why sync licensing is a safer bet. You know, it's bigger checks too. So, yeah. That makes sense.
1: (laughs) Okay, so what kind of adversity have you had to experience on this journey?
2: Whew, Lord. Um, I, I guess it would be, there's so many things, but I think the biggest thing would be like, um, which, which section or which subject, for example, um, with Green Pines Media, it was really just figuring out for me, just how to do these things Mm -hmm. and being able to figure out, well, how do I do sync licensing? even though I had mentors who could, you know, do those things, it's still very competitive. Right. And then once we started opening some of, or starting some of the other companies, My time was just... Consumed mainly with the co-working and event space, mm-hmm. so we finally had to get agents. Mm-hmm. So that was a challenge, like just trying to figure out, okay, am I going to reach out to these people? You know, automatically just to say, hey, you know, we have this awesome music. What would that look like? How much am I charging? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have a, a, a entertainment attorney who used to tell us, "Well, Dina, you're giving your your artists too much." I'm like, "Yeah, but we're a social enterprise. This is normal. Like, this is okay. This is about empowerment. This is social work differently." Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but but this isn't industry standard, you know, amounts of money that you're paying them. And I'm like, well, for some of them, so sometimes that being an innovator mm-hmm. can be a challenge in and of mm-hmm. itself because yeah. people are like, well, that's never been done before. Right. Okay, well, does that mean we shouldn't try it? Right. Like the goal is to innovate. This is everything that we're about when it comes to the Green Pines brand is doing something different, whether it's social work, whether it's co-working spaces, it's about innovation. How do we do things differently? Because mm-hmm. what we're doing isn't working. Yeah. So let's try and do something different. Yeah. So that was the big one for Green Pines Media, just being something very new. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, with the co-working and event space, it, it, we, we moved into the building September of 2021 is when we signed the lease. But it took 14 months, 14 months to officially open our doors because and this is with no construction. But we had to get you know permission from the city. Mm-hmm. Pandemic was going on. People were short, um, short staffed and we lost a lot of money that really could have went into the pockets of our artists mm-hmm. and you know but it is what it is that's part of business right. yeah
1: okay so what what advice would you give to someone who is trying to walk that same path of social entrepreneurship. social
2: entrepreneurship. Okay. Yeah. So this is basically what I learned at USC, which is um, talk with the population that you are trying to help and serve. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds very simplistic mm-hmm. because I thought I talked to the people that I was trying to help. I talked to a lot of former foster youth um, or foster care alumni as the case may be mm-hmm. on a regular basis, but I wasn't asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. What I was doing is saying, hey, I have this idea. What do you think about it? Well, yeah. of course you're Putting somebody on the spot, who wants to say no, that sucks, especially if we're in a position of authority? Mm -hmm. They don't know that if they say something, I'm like, well, I don't like their... You know what I'm saying? So people don't always honestly share their thoughts or ideas about the product or your, or service that you're trying to offer. Mm-hmm. So when I was at USC, we've, we did something called um, design thinking or human-centered design, which is don't start with, hey, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Start with just having a basic conversation with the population you're trying to help. How do you spend your day? Yeah. From the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep let's, let's write that out in pictures and let's write that out in, you know, something non-threatening and let's just talk about it. You know, you may find out that you're working with people who don't need, you know, one more nonprofit. Maybe they need something like a community garden because they're struggling and they, you know, I mean, just, you never know what you learn by just keeping a very, very open mind and just saying, Hey, how do you spend your time? So once you compile Hundreds or, or dozens, however many you want to do, but we did hundreds of interviews like that. Mm-hmm. And the common theme we found was that a lot of the youth we worked with were into, they were creatives in some way. Mm-hmm. So it was music, it was art, it was dance, it was poetry, it was, um, you know, crafts, arts and crafts, mm-hmm. which told me that's a better way to engage with youth other than saying, hey... County organization, tell me who you're trying to serve, and let's go reach out to them and try to get them into this office to do case management. Nobody wants that. Yeah. They're over it. They are over social workers. Yeah. So, my advice is if you're interested in social entrepreneurship, figure out who you want to help or what problem you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because social entrepreneurship is more about people and planet and then profit. You do need to make profit. But figure out what you want to do and then ask the people who are directly impacted and then just, you know, see what how they spend their time. Because you might be able to find gaps in the system that nobody else has figured out before Mm -hmm. or a way to do something completely different that is. Um, that resonates with with
1: a vulnerable population more. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I love that. Ask folks. (laughs) Ask folks. Yeah. Okay, so before we wrap up, um, where can people find your music? How can people get in contact with you to schedule a tour of the co-working space, Um, find your book, all of that kind of stuff, just so that they can reach out to you? Right.
2: So I would say probably the easiest thing, and most of our our folks are on Instagram. Um, I'm not always on social media, so... um, the uh Instagram for Green Pines Media is just at Green Pines Media, and that's green like the color. P-I-N-E-S Media M-E-D-I-A. So that's with uh, Green Pines Media. And then our co-working in event space is at the T-H-E uh G P-C for Green Pines Creative dot space. So again, that's at the G P C dot space. And then as far as our music, um, we released it as a compilation album, our our, our, our very first project, okay. um, and you can find that on all the streaming platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, okay. Title, all of that. It's called Social Innovation Volume 1, okay. or you can just do a search for Green Pines Media. You could probably find it that way as well.
1: Uh, but yeah, that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Awesome, awesome! Thank you so much, Dina, for it's coming. My through and pleasure. Having this conversation Thank with you me. for having me. Yes, I was so I was so waiting on this conversation. <laughs> we had to do it on uh, Instagram Live last time, so oh, yeah, I'm so yeah. grateful that we were able to get in the studio today. Thank you, Jay. Yes. All right, you guys. So we're gonna wrap up the show. Y'all be sure to check out out-of-the-box podcast wherever you get your podcast uh i find that apple podcast is the most popular so if you want to go on apple Podcasts and listen to the playback definitely do that run our numbers up Uh, we're just trying to get to that point where we can monetize y'all so do that um also subscribe to our show on youtube we can, you can be see, you can see us visually on my YouTube channel. So if you want to see us visually and watch this conversation, um, go ahead and check out my YouTube, just go to J got soul and you will find me there. All right. Um, this has been out of the box podcast season three, episode nine. Thank you to those who tuned in live. We have really enjoyed ourselves. We hope you did too. I want to extend a thank you to urban financial literacy again for your, your, um, for your sponsorship, um, they are helping people, everyday people, build, protect, and preserve their wealth. So if you are in a position to where you want to get into that space, be sure to go to UrbanFinancialLiteracy.com and book your consultation. Also, don't forget to go to Um, Listen to all of the, the uh, content that I have there. Read the blogs. Check out our merch. Check out our services. We have a brand new website we want you guys to check it out. All right. So be sure to go to jgaso.com. All right you guys. So we will be back in studio. Uh what's the date on next Saturday? The 8th. July 8th we'll be back in studio. You never know who we're going to have in the studio next. So be sure to <laughs> tune in. We are out. <laughs>
3: up in the sky Keep
0: your glasses high Can't nobody kill the fire Cause we're celebrating